Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today's Thursday. It's September 3rd. Great to welcome you again in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day for a reflection on a psalm and an opportunity to go a little deeper in our understanding of who we are as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, and as we're talking this week, what it means to be the Church of Christ. Uh, just an administrative note with regard to Sunday worship. Uh, if you are intending uh, to join us in the sanctuary at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m., we would invite you to please register uh, your for your attendance. Just send an email, register at greenwichpres.org. Just tell us your name, the names of anyone who's coming with you, and then uh, which of the two services. I think registration for the 11 o'clock service is running a little, uh, little higher right now so there's uh, maybe a dozen spaces left uh, as of yesterday afternoon uh, when we were speaking at our staff meeting um, and so yeah if if the 11 o'clock ends up being full we would invite you to come to that nine o'clock it is a communion sunday and so for those who do come we'll be participating in communion a little differently than we normally do uh, but we will have the bread and the cup and then for those who are at home uh, we would invite you again to prepare bread uh, and cup uh, common to your home uh, and we will share the Lord's body together in this extraordinary uh, way. Our psalm this morning is a short little psalm, Psalm 93. Uh, there's no heading with it. They call these the orphan psalms. There's no description or heading or context and so it just comes to us. <clears throat> psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. Just five little verses to Psalm 93. So we don't really have any context for this. Um, it's a simple, short meditation uh, about the majesty of God. The Lord is robed in majesty, armed with strength. The, the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. And so there's this understanding of God, the creator, who sustains this world. God's throne is firmly established. It endures. And so I think there's, when I read this, there's a sense of... Um, order in the midst of the chaos and so contrasted then in verses uh, in verse 3 the seas have lifted up O lord the seas have lifted up their voice the seas have lifted up their pounding waves to the ancients the seas represented um, chaos disorder um, bad things happened on the sea <laughs> to be on dry land was good and so the image of the sea with its waves and its, and its uh, tossing about um, uh, is, is a picture of the chaos, 
but mightier than the thunder of the seas, mightier than the breakers. The Lord on high is mighty. So it's this understanding in the midst of the world that we're living in, how I take this and how I pray this through. This world that we're experiencing is at times chaotic, seems disordered, seems to be shaking, uh, seems to be falling apart. Kind of sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) Mightier than all of that is God. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. Your statutes stand firm. There is this sense of the solid foundation that we have in God, even in the midst of the turmoil and chaos of our days. And so I like this psalm. I like it because it's short. But I like it because it's a it's a very simple um, meditation that captures. We 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 can imagine if you've ever been in a boat on the sea when the waves are, uh, uh, you know, churning in some way, or if you've been in your house when the storm and the winds are are blowing, you appreciate something that is firm, <laughs> something that is fixed, something that has foundation, and that is the Lord. Okay, Theology 401, we've been talking about the church all week, and I told you we're going to pick up where we ended yesterday. Yesterday, we we ended with uh, some of the implications of a Catholic church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's that image of stability in the midst of the chaos. And so this idea of a holy Catholic or holy universal church that God intends and has always intended to be populated by the nations and ethnicities and languages and peoples of the world. And so God creating a world, it it tragically goes awry in the rebellion, Adam and Eve. And then the, the plan of redemption through Abraham, I will bless you, Abraham, and through you, I will bless all nations, all peoples. And so here's this promise of diversity and kind of racial unity. Uh, the, the scattering of the peoples at the Tower of Babel, that happened just before we're introduced to Abraham in chapter 11 of, of uh, Genesis. And so this notion of God blessing one family, one people, so that they would produce uh, a savior, a deliverer, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And through Jesus then, the gospel is proclaimed to the whole world. And that picture then in the book of Revelation, uh, the worthiness of the lamb to be worshiped because he purchased men from every language, nation, tribe, and people. And so we worship Jesus Christ for what he has done in building this diverse community. And so one of the implications I talked about was around racial unity. So I want to apply theology. This is applied theology, okay? That is putting our faith to work. Okay. Racial division, racial injustice. Friends, there is nothing new about that. This is not something that has just happened in the last, you know, two months, five months, or 50 years through civil rights, or 150 years, or you know, 250 years, or a somewhat alleged 400 years, 1619. Um, you know, we just passed the 400th anniversary of the first um, African-American slaves being brought to the British colonies here. 
racial um, division and injustice stretches back through human history. The human family has been enslaving one another. The human family has been um, violent towards one another. And nations and peoples and languages and tribes have come against each other. It all traces back to the garden. Sadly, we see this Cain rising up against his brother Abel. And then having the, uh, uh, the, the I don't know what, what the right word is, the arrogance to say, what, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper, but under the influence of sin, when we want to be a law unto ourselves, uh, we want to gather with those who we perceive to be like us into a moral tribe, and then with our moral tribe, we can other some others, and we can demonize them, the in-group, out-grouping that we do. So friends, this is nothing new. We have to remember that. Despite what the narrative of our uh, society might be saying now and our culture might be saying, this is rooted in a theological reality, not a cultural or white-black reality. This is just another manifestation of the reality of the sin in the human race. And so there's nothing new. It's rooted in universal sin, okay? All nations go through this. If we went over to another nation, we would see uh, ethnic and tribalism and ethnic tribalism and and racial division happening there okay we just happen to see this expression of it god's plan was to create a division okay the jew gentile division jews that's abraham's family gentiles everybody else this was the plan of salvation to hedge one people about this is my people, these are not my people. And so this Jew-Gentile division was part of God's plan until the time of Christ, okay? And so that's important. And so I'm gonna read Galatians. This is Paul writing in the, in the context of the new covenant. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Do you hear that fulfillment theme? If you, uh, uh, if you belong to Christ, if you trust in Jesus Christ, then you are a child of Abraham. <clears throat> you are descended from Abraham by promise. The promise that he was going to bless all peoples, the Gentiles, okay? And so all peoples are blessed in Abraham. And so in Christ, these divisions, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, kind of the socioeconomic, the demographic um, divisions that we tend to erect in our sinful um uh, in our sinful ways. And so Jew was called to be a servant to the Gentile. Instead, they lorded it over. Male is called to be a servant to the female and to lay down his life uh, for his wife. But instead, men uh, like to dominate it and rule it over female. And then you've got the slave and the free. Obviously, you've got the, <clears throat> the free wants to lord it over the slave. And so uh, where there's, it's economic, it's gender, 
um, it's racial, all of these places where division is set up uh, because of sin or because God, this was part of what God was doing. And so hedging his people does not mean the Jews have to uh, hate the Gentiles, but they ended up doing that because the Jews were sinners too, and so were the Gentiles. And so in each of these situations, you have uh, a place of division or injustice, something uh, bad that said, and so in Christ, that stuff gets removed. So a Christ-built Catholic or universal church is the answer. What God is doing is that in Jesus Christ now, he's gathering a community that will be defined not by skin color, not by gender, uh, not by where you are on the economic, socioeconomic ladder. You are all one in Jesus Christ. God's plan for the redemption of the human family. Adam and Eve were created to be equal. Their, their brothers were supposed to serve together. And so because of sin, all of that fell apart. God is putting it back together through this thing called the church. And so a universal church that has the, that, that erases these distinctions because of we're identified now in our relationship to Christ. So now here's the hard thing that I'm still working through. Okay, I don't, I don't got this one figured out. I don't know if anyone's got this figured out. I think what we're seeing is civil authorities have responsibilities for their citizens. Okay, get that. The individual states, the federal government, and so you've got, got federal state tensions that are trying to work some of these things out. But the civil authorities are trying to build what only Jesus can build. You cannot build a unified, peaceful um, community by means of, of, of civil legislation, okay? It, it just can't happen. This is only a spiritually wrought reality. Now, the, the hard thing, I'm not saying, well, let's just abandon the civil arena and you know employers can discriminate and and landlords can discriminate and you know people can discriminate i'm not suggesting that and so there's a tension here but what i'm saying is the civil authorities there's something i think i think this is part of that being made in the image of god there's something in us that yearns we know we're made to respect and honor one another. Now, in our nation in particular, our founding documents use the language of faith. These self-evident truths that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Has the United States of America lived up to that high ideal perfectly? Of course not. Of course not but there is still the ideal that is founded on faith. And so I think the civil authorities are taking that framework of equality because we're all created in the image of God. They're taking that concept, but they're, 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 they're divorcing it from the continued reality that the only way this happens is through Jesus Christ. And the civil authorities are not going to preach Jesus Christ. Only the church does. So the church is God's answer to the brokenness of the human family. Not the civil authorities. Not the United States government. Now, 
Okay, so that's the tension. Does that mean we abandon the government? No. Does it mean we abandon uh, a more just uh, legislation in a more just society, a more perfect union? No. And so this is the tension. How does our faith uh, apply into culture? And this is why we fight over politics, right? Because <laughs> politics is about how do we order ourselves together? How do we order our shared and common life in these United States of America? And that's why, and so we try to bring our faith, but we try to impose our faith in a way. And so this is, I'm going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, kind of Christ in culture or church in society. How do we live this out? And it's hard, friends. It's really hard. But what I want to say is the civil authorities cannot build a Catholic church, a universal church. Only the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ can accomplish that. And so the church is to be a sign. It is a new society. It is a new humanity. It is a new community that is to be a witness to the world in such a way, by the way, we treat each other as Christians. We demonstrate to the world Come be with us, be part of this new society. So I understand there's lots of tensions there and there's a lot to talk about, but the government is never going to do what only Jesus can do. Okay? Let me just wrap up here uh, today. I want to give a Trinitarian understanding of the church. Okay, well, let's think about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so, our scriptures in the New Testament speak of the household of God, speak of the body of Christ, and speak of the temple of the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Ah, isn't that cool? Not, it's not coincidental. The Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter in their writings to frame this language, okay? Yes, they thought of it, but it was under the inspiration of the Spirit. And so the household of God the Father, it's this image of God as Father, so there's a, a family um, picture there, okay? God as Father, we are adopted as children, so we are the children, we are brothers and sisters. So this family dynamic, we share an inheritance with Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ, of this kingdom. Ah, how could that be? But Jesus came to bear human flesh, to be among us, to be one of us. And so we, uh, made in God's image, restored through Christ, share an inheritance. The image of a house and a household implies shelter and protection, uh, belonging, that we are highly valued members of this uh, household. We are a community. We are a family. And so there's, there's a, a relational quality and aspect. And so the household of God stresses these features of the church. The church is a family. We're all adopted sons and daughters, okay? There's only one begotten son. The rest of us are adopted, okay? And so we have equal status in that way. None of us is better than the others, no matter skin color, ethnicity, any of that, okay? And yet this, this, this blessedness, uh, we're kept and sheltered and we belong and we're valued and we're honored and we participate and we're, we're active. And then, and then we go to the body of Christ, okay? So Jesus is the head and we are the members of the body of Christ, individually members of it. And so there's this organic reality. The church is more of an organism than an organization. 
the world doesn't understand this. The world cannot understand it because it is spiritually understood. It is That is an understanding born by the Holy Spirit where our, our eyes are open, our mind, we go, oh, I get it. We are a living organism. We are vitally connected in a living faith union with Jesus Christ, the head. And so we are individually members of that body. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities uh, within the body. And so the body of Christ, Jesus came to serve. And so the body of Christ calls us to, we are his hands, we are his feet. You may remember that, I think that might have been two years ago uh, in the fall, we, we, we uh, did that short uh, little sermon series, The Hands and Feet of Christ. And so the spiritual gifts are ours and so that we may serve one another and serve in the community. And so service, Jesus laid down his life. And so the body of Christ, the church, sacrifices itself on behalf of others, on behalf of the world. We become the salt. We become the light of the world. And so there's a sense of connectedness because we're organically connected, you know, finger bone connected to the hand bone, connected to the elbow bone, to the shoulder bone. And so that that notion of being connected, we each have responsibilities. Uh, there's a living reality. The church is not a static, bureaucratic organization. I know there's parts to that, but that is that is so unimportant. And sadly, when we emphasize that, when we look to that, you know, the church is about the committees, and you know, people say I don't like church politics. And that's not the way to think of the church. Do not think of the church that way. Think of the church as the household of God. Think of the church as the body of Christ, not as the denomination, not as the institution, not as the bureaucracy, not with all the little politics and goofy stuff that can happen in in human life when humans get together. We're a living entity. There's a wholeness. There's an integrity. There is not one Christian in the world anywhere that is not a part of the body of Christ. Nobody is saying, oh, well, I'm a fingernail and you can just cut me off and throw me away. No, every one of us is connected completely to one another and to Jesus Christ in a, a living, vital, organic whole. And so there's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ called, so household of God, we belong and we're valued and honored. Body of Christ, we're, we're, we're blessed so that we can serve. Okay, and then finally, the temple of the Spirit. Okay, you are like living stones being built into a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. <laughs> you are the temple of Christ, the temple of the Spirit. And so, as we saw last week, the Spirit imparts the very presence of God. Uh, there's a power. There's a power of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes on you, there's a power to understand and to, to believe uh, and then to uh, a power to witness and a power to serve and to live. And so the gifts of the Spirit, um, kind of talked about that up here, but, but the, the Spirit imparts these gifts. And so there's gifts and graces and the fruit of the Spirit, the character. And so the temple of the Spirit, there's joy and there's love and there's grace and there's peace, love, joy, peace. Uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, patience. Oh my goodness, patience, please come. And so the temple of the Spirit, this is a uh, an entity that is marked by a character that when you come into this place and be among these people, 
you will be enriched and your life will will reflect a, a beauty and an order that the image of the temple there's a foundation built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets uh, the apostle paul writes and so there, there's the solid truths these foundational truths that we've been stressing over the last several weeks that's our foundation it's not just human opinion but it's founded on the solid word of god the temple is orderly there's an order there's a structure there's architecture there's beauty uh, to this temple ultimately it becomes about worship temple is the place to encounter the living god to meet well, let us go and meet with god <laughs> And so uh, in the Hebrew, Hebrew temple, the Israelite temple there in Jerusalem, the, the presence of God was kept behind the curtain and only the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, only the high priest could go there. Just read this morning in my Bible reading plan, I, I, I read um, about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus at the end of Matthew's gospel. And so the Easter story, I was reading that this morning. And, um, and, and Jesus dies the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom. God initiates it, and that's the, the rending of the covenants. The old covenant is rendered null and void now. And so, boom, that curtain is torn. And so the presence of God is no longer you know, behind the curtain, but now unleashed out into the world, the changing of the covenants. And so you go to temple to worship. We go to church to worship. We are a worshiping community in our homes, with our families, uh, outdoors. We say, my Lord, my God, how great thou art when we be, behold the, the, the majesty of his creation. And then we gather inside the church building or underground or in somebody's home or in your home this Sunday. We worship. And so the church, a Trinitarian understanding of the church, we're a family, we belong, called into this uh, set of relationships by God's grace. We're, we're, we're joined to Jesus Christ and we're a living organic whole and we, and we love and we serve. And then the temple of the Spirit, we have this living presence in us, uh, among us, through us, and, and its order and beauty and all these gifts and graces are, I, are ours and ultimately, our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is the church. <laughs> this is the church. And isn't it beautiful the way scripture comes to us in this Trinitarian way of describing what it is, who we are uh, as the church of Jesus Christ. I hope this is helpful. Hope it helps to shape your mind and understanding and it can trickle down to our hearts and that it can lead to a greater love for Jesus Christ, a, a greater uh, service in his name, a greater joy uh, when we realize who we are and whose we are and what we are to be about. So let's close with prayer. <clears throat> Father, how we thank you uh, for these beautiful pictures given to us in the scriptures, the apostle Paul and Peter, of the household of God, of the body of Christ, of the temple of the Spirit. Oh, may these images uh, sit with us and rest with us and be embedded upon our hearts, written on the tablet of our hearts, that we might understand ourselves as the church more fully, more faithfully. And this might give us a deeper sense of security and hope and life and joy.
So I pray for all sisters and brothers who are watching this and who will ever watch these, um, this video will understand who they are. And so, Lord, help us to live into this high calling of being your church. Help us to live into the hard reality of being your church in a broken world, in a broken society that is broken in so many ways and that everybody trying to find an answer help us to bear the answer through our witness to Jesus Christ. Continue to build your church, O Lord, this day in us, among us, through us. We pray as we gather on Sunday for your favor. O Lord, keep us safe, keep us healthy. Lord, give us great joy for those who gather those gather uh, in presence, those who gather at a distance through the live stream. Lord, may we remain joyfully one body of Christ. And so for your gifts of healing, we pray. For your gifts of comfort, we pray. For your gifts of guidance and hope, we pray this day. Through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, may you enjoy being a member of the household of God and the body of Christ and the temple of the Spirit. And may these truths and this God bless you this day and forevermore. Amen.